Hey everybody, my name is Alex. This is Lunch Fox Radio. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to first apologize for the fact that I missed a new show because I am doing a lot at once right now. I am wrapping stuff up before, like in my professional life before I disappear to Japan for three weeks. And just there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts in my life right now. So I inadvertently skipped a... Um, a new show because on top of all that, I, I'm a weirdo. I don't, I don't think of myself as having allergies. I have a, like, allergic reaction to the atmospheric pressure shift between winter and not winter specifically. It happens a little bit between, like, summer and, summer and fall or, like, spring and fall and whatever but like the big thing is when it goes from being normal out to being fucking freezing out on the east coast my brain is like but what if you were allergic to that thing and I've only met one other person like it like me who has that exact issue um and it's a it's a client <laughs> but like I get real stuffed up and almost like I'm sick for like a couple days. And I'm like, oh, wait, I should take allergy meds, you fucking moron. Everybody's always like, are you allergic to something? I'm like, yeah. The fucking weather? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, that, that's the thing that happened to me. But in any case, um, so that's why I missed a new show. But if you... um. So if you were looking forward to that, I'm sorry. I don't really have time to make it up. But on that note, that's what I wanted to jump in here and apologize for. Um, but yeah, so let's jump into what we're talking about today. And that's a little live action show from 2023 called Yu Yu Hakusho. Anime considered. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, if you watch anime for long enough, you get past what I like to think of as the first rung of stuff. And the first rung of stuff, in most cases, is like a Dragon Ball Z, a Pokemon, uh, generally speaking, really broad audience, really kind of like smooth and snappy, um... Shonen anime. Um, you would also, if you're looking for um, a female-oriented, like, first-rung anime, that's probably something like Sailor Moon. If you, and you'll notice that both Sailor Moon and 
Dragon Ball Z go much deeper if you watch them for long enough. But Sailor Moon gets like almost like telenovela drama, like dramatized, where Dragon Ball V is just like, no, they fight better, and they fight more of like complicated, like more extreme, more blow up the big thing with bigger blowy up thing kind of way. But my point is that there's like, there's like progression through fandom for the first couple of years that's kind of predictable. You'll encounter things, and then depending on what you like about those things or what you don't like about those things is where you go next. And for a lot of people, a seminal anime that wasn't the, like, first-rung anime, but was probably, like, the second or third, or maybe even fourth or fifth-rung anime was... A show, and this is this is so distracting. I've got the IMDb page open for it, and it's showing basically every live-action anime trailer from the past like five years. But um, another another one of those shows, one that was a couple rungs deeper than something like Dragon Ball Z or Pokemon, was a show called Yu Yu Hakusho. And if you don't know anything about Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, here's a rough, a very rough like, overarching overture of the plot. A kid dies, is brought back to life as a spirit detective, and then goes on various misadventures until the show kind of just ends. And we'll get to... And actually, I want to talk about the way it ends, but we'll talk about it later. But the thing that separates this show from so much of what it came out other than it being, you know, other than the original manga being penned by Tagashi, the, like, mystical legend who also, who is still penning um, Hunter x Hunter. He, and is, is so, Tagashi is so good at playing with the, like, pieces of the shonen anime puzzle that he can do things and he can bring you as a viewer or reader along for things that other artists just don't, just don't, or just don't do because they probably can't do it. They're probably not interested in thinking about it in the same way. Like the stuff that Togashi gets to do with his characters is not like stuff that, um, that any other that um like, um, that the author of. Dragon Ball or the author of Naruto get to do with their characters. Their characters have a pretty straight trajectory. And if you look at the continuation of Dragon Ball and the continuation of Naruto in the form of Boruto, a lot of those shows' problems stem from the fact that their characters can't branch out too much. Um, I, f- I forget the, I forget their names because I'm an insane person. But the author of Naruto eventually did come over and come back and take over Boruto from actually an assistant, a former assistant who was, um, who was authoring it previously. And he did this trick basically to put Boruto in kind of the same scenario Naruto was in. Because he didn't, he either didn't want to or couldn't figure out how to 
tell a compelling story with this kid who is essentially like going on these big bombastic action adventures, but he's also super not like Naruto was. He is just, he is, he is what you, he has fully realized what you found out Naruto to be much later down the line. Like, much later down the line, you found out that Naruto was, like, the son of a Hokage and, like, had a really privileged, important place in the village and should be respected. Boruto, you just kind of, like, they give you that up front. Like, he's a spoiled brat. And, and they put, they do, I will give the, I will give the Boruto movie this. They do a good job of shading Boruto being a spoiled brat by making Naruto a really shitty, overworked dad who refuses to not work and spend time with his son. Like, that shadow, that overshadows the fact that, like, Boruto's kind of a little piece of shit. But, anyway, my point is that those stories don't do things like Togashi tends to like to do things. Togashi is really interested in what the puzzle pieces he's playing with means. And in Yu Hakusha, where um where where Hunter x Hunter is looking at Shonen action and all the pieces it's playing with and examining them all and kind of like flipping them over, turning them sideways, and doing its best to make a new pit and doing its best in succeeding and making a new picture in a way that of those pieces in a way that people haven't really thought of before. Yu Yu Hakusho is kind of the perfection of the puzzle in a lot of ways, with a few key differences that make it thoughtful and interesting, and one of the reasons why it stuck with people like me and maybe even you for so long and why it still holds up. But the other part of that, the part of that that um, is the final puzzle piece for you, Hakusho, and its popularity in America is it had a phenomenal dub. It had a dub on the quality level of something like Cowboy Bebop. But it did it in a totally different way. And with that, I want to start to get into my thoughts about the live-action show. Um, so, because that... That's the backdrop that this show is working, working against when it's sitting in front of a viewer who sought it out. Because if you're going to find this as an American viewer, more than likely, you're familiar with that 1990s dub that you saw in Toonami as a kid, as I am. So, the show, but the show, but the strangest thing is, the show kind of, the show opens up in much the way the original show does. Yusuke realizing that he's dead. And then a quick, quick flashback. And the differences, but by far the biggest difference is they have a Men in Black style opening piece here. And that's what they call the roundworm demon. Oh, but what we would, but if you're watching this and you know anything about Yu Yu Hawk's show in the, in the 
third arc of that show, you know, is a Makai insect. It's flying through. It's flying through. It's flying through the city. It's flying through the city sky and then the streets, and you follow it. And there were a couple moments where I'm like, "Oh, somebody watched Men in Black and then made this," because that was a moment. Um, the round rooms entering people is also very reminiscent of the bug entering people um, from Men in Black, um, and like the bug taking people over and shit. Um, but the And so, Yusuke, you see Yusuke Yurameshi birthing. They do a pretty good job with him. And they do a pretty good job... They do a, a pretty good job with Yusuke. They do a pretty good job with Kuwabara. Because what they're trying to do with both of those characters is they're trying to bring them slightly out of the cartoon world and into, like, what they would be in reality. Like, Yusuke constantly walks with a slouch. Yes, he's wearing the iconic green track suit, school's school uniform, but he constantly walks with a slouch. He's constantly smoking. He's got really high hair instead of the really, like, tight hair that you saw in the show, but it still has this, like, slick back. He, look, he looks like a delinquent. He looks like he... He looks like you would imagine the... the live-action version of Yusuke should look. And he holds himself in that way. He speaks really informally, and he, like, doesn't... He, the only person he really has respect for is Keiko, and in the show, and in the original show, and in this show, that respect is clearly earned between the two of them. And... He respects Keiko because she always respects and cares for him. So there's a reciprocation there. And one of the things I kind of liked about the show was a thing that the original show doesn't do a lot with until the very end, until like a, and it, not even the very end, but like a four part. like a four-part after-show special kind of episode, a four-part OVA that comes after the proper show, is that it doesn't show a lot of Keiko's interaction or, like, any glimpse of Keiko's future in, this, in, in that show. In this show, it pretty clearly shows, like, Keiko's going to own a diner. <laughs> like, Ke like, Keiko is not going to be, like... Of for, like a Fortune 500 company owner, but she's gonna do all right. She's gonna be cool. And the show is pretty, and this show, as the original was, it's pretty unconcerned with what Yusuke's future looks like. It's more concerned with like forming Yusuke as a person. But the thing about the show, and the thing about um these, the, the thing about the original show and the thing about the live action version that, that now exists is that as soon as you saw the runtime, you knew you weren't going to get the same thing. So a, a lot of this, a lot of watching this, if you've seen your Hawk show, is playing the game. How are they going to, what are they going to use as a full storyline? 
And that's where I think the show got into a real problem. Because there, it seems there's two ways to make live-action anime adaptations. And those two ways are make it like you're never going to get to make another one. We've seen this a bunch of times. We've seen it in live-action Ghost in the Shell. They made that film like they were never going to get to make another live-action Ghost in the Shell film ever again. And they were probably right. But what that ended up doing, it created this like weird clip show feeling in that film because it was like, oh... Well, we have to show the Major almost ripping her, ripping her arms off while trying to rip the arms off a spider tank. Oh, well, we have to show this scene from Standalone Complex. We have to show this scene from Solid State Society. We have to show this scene from the original Ghost in the Shell. Like, they were so concerned with creating these beautiful... like, Fabergé eggs of moments in that film that... Nothing kind of... But there's not a whole lot stitching anything together in it. That's one way to make something. And once again, that's the... Ghost of the Shell is a perfect example of make it like you're never going to get to make another one ever again. Another another example of that is a Netflix Netflix Cowboy Bebop live action. There is so much in there... That it's like, well, we made we made a giant sweetie model of starfish, aren't uh, of the swordfish too? Aren't you happy? Aren't you happy, fans? And then the rest of it is just kind of lukewarm dishwater. And then there's the second way you can make these things: make it as as its original forms it was intended to be made. Not in the form of the manga, but in the form of the last thing that went on a TV, which is make it like you're making arcs, like you're doing arcs. So the way that looks is the live-action One Piece adaptation, which people largely praised as being just phenomenal, as being really good. And everybody was hoping that Yu Hakusho would be that kind of thing, and it really wasn't. But the reasons it isn't is partially because meeting both of those two types of things in the middle to kind of create its own third op- a third option, but also because it doesn't... It's rare that I, that I say if, you have a, if you're looking at a 112-episode show, you're going to need to watch every episode. But with Yu Yu Hakusho... I will tell you, you'll probably want to watch every episode. There's not really, there's not really a stinker in the bunch. Just don't worry, there's no like boogie woogie feng shui moments <laughs> to reference the infamous, the infamously hated um, Cowboy Bebop episode, boogie woogie feng shui. Um, there's no, nothing like that. And it's all, all the, connect, that 112 episode run of 20 minutes an episode is doing that because it needs all that for the connective tissue to be there to take you from the important point, from one important point to another important point. And could you argue that after the Dark Tournament, the show starts to teeter off? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. But by the point at which you hit the end of the dark tournament, you spend so much time with these characters, and they feel they feel those characters feel so good and interesting to you that you'll you'll forgive the later crimes of the show because it's really just those characters you know hanging out with them. And there's this feeling of found family, of found, uh, there's this feeling of friendship, of found family, of a friend group that pervades that entire show, especially by the end of the Dark Tournament. That is really hard to do without taking the time to allow the viewer to get to know those characters. And that's what's missing from the live-action Yu Yu Hawk show. It's not the way it looks. Other than the the one who, the one character I find to be especially egregious is they did they did Hiei dirty, y'all. Like Hiei, they they felt the need to like put Hiei in like a slight dress of sorts, which is very strange. Like, Hiei is a very streamlined, very clearly, like, Hiei should feel like, at any point, Sasuke is going to be burst from his chest like a xenomorph. <laughs> and this Hiei doesn't feel like that. This Hiei doesn't feel like, oh, I needed this black sheet, mom. <gasps> and the... But the other characters, like I started to say, like Kuobara, they do good updates on Kuobara. Like once you when you see Kuobara, you're like, holy shit, that's Kuobara. Um, they do good updates on Yusuke. Keiko is like a teenage girl in a schoolgirl outfit with the right haircut. Bingo bongo, you did it. Congratulations. Um, but what struck me is. It's that like those like all the hero characters, um, they kinda did Karama dirty. Karama's I've I've heard Karama's wig called criminal. I'd prosecute that crime if I was a lawyer. <laughs> like, it's not great looking. Um but and it doesn't get better when he becomes Yoko in the like later episodes. By the way, spoilers for this entire thing. It's five episodes on Netflix. You could do it in a day. I did it in a day. On a work day, like in between work, like before and after work and at lunch, you can do it. Trust me. It feels insane, but you can do it. And the... So like that's there. You you are never going to have that English dub happen ever again. Just because stuff like that doesn't happen twice kind of thing. But there's very little... The best joke in the show I didn't even get, which is in the subtitled version, apparently, when Kuwabara meets Yukina for the first time, he like, sli he like slips, he like slips reality and starts speaking in ultra, in ultra polite Japanese, which is, which is just the funniest fucking thing. It's so good. Cause he's like, oh, a real lady. 
Which is kind of how he is in the original show, too. But other than that, there's not really a, like... There's not really this, like, chummy, teenage, angsty, pissed-offness to the dialogue that you just... You, if you're an American fan, if you, if you speak English and you've seen this show in English, that's what you want. You just want... You want... You want the... Do you think he knows it's a circle line? Do you want... Do you want the... Mo monster meets spirit gun line. Like, that's the stuff... That's the stuff of classics and legends that you want out of this show. But... And I'm not going to blame the show... I'm not going to blame the live-action team for not doing that. But it's just... It, it's noticeably missing. And what those... With those, like, sly comments do, like, um, and they start to get to, they, they get to a correct place with it, with, um, Hiei and Kuwabara, but, like, when, like, they're all standing there during Kuwabara's fight with, um, the, with Biako in the, um, in the, um, Makai, in the Makai insect arc. Um, and he's like running, he's like, he's like running in a circle around this tower and Kurama just leans over and goes, do you think he knows the circle? <laughs> and everybody like, motherfucker, I hope so. Um, it's just like this slight break in the seriousness of that character <laughs> in a way that allows him to be goofy and like fun and in on the joke that maybe Kulabar is a moron. <laughs> And you don't get that here. You don't get that, like, playfulness. You don't get that, like... Uh, you, you get attempts at it and, like, moments of it, but it's not, it's not constantly there. These, these delinquent... These characters who are all supposed to be on some level, delinquent teenagers don't feel like delinquent teenagers enough. With the exception, actually, with the exception of Yusuke and Kuwabara. But what's really interesting to me here is that while they were all over the place with the good guys, like, to the point of if you did a scene where Yusuke and Botan are walking through a park, and you see Botan's, like, full costume for the first time ever, and what you see is, you see she's wearing, like, the pink kimono, blue wig, like, Botan look, but then she's got fucking, like... It, patent cream leather toeless heels on. It's strange. It's just like, what? Were you trying to make a reference to her, like, motorcycle girl outfit from when she's got the bat and she's running around beating the shit out of Makai insects? Because that's so strange. Just put her in that. Don't put her in this, like, very traditional kimono and then the boots from that. It's, that makes, you made it weird. Um, so they're, like, little peccadillos like that. Um, I find it hilarious they chose to bling out, bling the shit out of Kubabara's character. Like, he's got little chains on all of his buttons. 
He's got this solid gold fucking belt buckle. He's got the like the chain necklaces, and he's the only delinquent character in this show who looks like that. It's hilarious, to me at least. And then Use Case passes the test as he should. And now we come to. We come to a disappointment that I don't blame them for, is what I'm going to say. And that is Kuinma. Kuinma, when you start, when you first meet him, is a child. He's just a baby. He's a wise-talking fucking baby with a pacifier. Later on in the Dark Torment arc, he becomes like a full-on, like, 20-year-old, 21-year-old adult. Because magic. Um... They just present him as that in this show. That's what they excuse Quinma off as. They're like, oh, yeah, Quinma, whatever. <laughs> Done. The, we, and I get it. We're not going to try and make a baby happen. But what if you did? What if you full-on committed to CGI baby Quinma? It would be so good. You could have him as adult Quinma later. But CGI baby Quinma, let's go. And... Then you look at the bad guys in this film. You look at um, Turukane, Donzo Turukane, the notorious mob boss, the big old fat mob boss that they show up to, whose house they show up to in Yu show and just beat the ever-loving snot out of an entire roughneck fucking crew of murderers to get to to save Yukina. He's in the show, and, like, he's doing his Yukina thing. Yukina's also in the show, and, like, he's, like, collecting her ice tears and blah, 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 creepy Tarukane bullshit. But then Shishio's also here, and Shishio is, as I'm pretty sure, I think this was a, this was a, um, this was a plot point kind of behind the scenes in, um, the original show, but he's the one who's trying to open a hole For the Makai insects. But they have the Makai insects thing as a way as a way to get Yusuke back into the real world. Um and then they we without having Keiko kiss Yusuke to bring him back to life, which you know, do it, cowards, like make make that happen, you cowards. Um, but the whole so there's a whole like weird bastardization of the Makai of the Makai of the Saint Beast Makai thing, because the Saint Beast just aren't there, they just aren't aren't introduced at all. Um but the Makai insect, which they call roundworms in this, because oh yeah, lest we forget, they have to rename everything in this show that they can figure out how. The Forlord Hope, wish granting mirror is a different thing. The it's called something else. The orb of boss, different thing. Shadow sword is more of like a weird black little kitchen knife with a pole. So they introduce the um, the um, treasure retrieval arc, kind of in the middle of dealing with Makai thing. Like they. They save one kid from a Makai insect, and then it, like, never comes up again until the end, which is so weird. But, um, 
Does it sound confusing? Does it sounds like it's all over the place. That's because it kind of is. That what they're trying to do is they clearly said, okay, we're not going to try and do the whole 112, but we're going to try and hit these plot points because we think we can mesh them together. But at the point at which you find out Shishio is around, you see, first you see Tarukane. Tarukane looks like the character. Nailed him. Fucking give whoever that actor is an Oscar, an American one if you have to, because holy shit, nailed Tarukane to the wall. Shishio, also a good rendition of Shishio. Like, he's got the scar, he's got the, like, weird 1980s billionaire... Japanese billionaire long hair perm thing going on. Um, and then also, freaking, they nail every single one of Tagoro, Tagoro, Elder Tagoro, Younger Tagoro, and they nail their entire team. For their, their entire talk. Like, Bowie is in there, perfect. Um, there's a bomb guy in there, perfect. They're all like those the when they had clear guys, you get and also they have Genkai in here. They did a good, pretty good job of like the realization of Genkai. But although so they did a pretty good job of like nailing the look of the show once again with these Hie and Karama end up being the exceptions there. Um and pretty big exceptions, but like you only kind of messed up too. Not bad. But the the big thing about this show is it, it, it to give you the emotional weight you have with all of these characters. It was never going to be possible with five hour long episodes. With five hour change long episodes, you can't get the like. You can't spend most of an episode. Of showing Yusuke and like his rigorous of you can't spend most of an episode of Yus of Yusuke and Genkai just kind of hanging out and being and being weird. They eliminate Genkai's they eliminate Genkai's tor tournament and all the Shorin stuff just because they didn't want to deal with it. I get that. There's a there's a whole other cast of characters that would be a problem. Would just be a fucking problem. Um, to deal with, including Shorin, um, and all the other characters that are in that, that are in that, um, section of the, that are in that thing. They have a, like, proper training arc with Gentai. But the thing with that, the, like I said, if it was going to be one show that I told you you should probably watch all of it, it's probably going to be Yu Hawk show. Because what that tournament is doing it's not necessarily just about finding Rando. It's about spending time with Yusuke and Genkai. About spent about like kind of endearing Genkai to you. So when Genkai by the way, spoilers for the real Yu Haka show at this point, because I'm about to say something important. When Genkai dies in the original show it's really an emotional moment. Like, they, the story has earned the feelings that you have towards Genkai. And yes, they do the thing of, like, showing you a flashback before she dies. But also, 
you spent this time with Genkai. You spent most of the dark, a chunk, a huge chunk of the dark tournament with Genkai. You spent a huge chunk of the show seeing her just kind of be a parent in a really real and meaningful way to Yusuke. And, and be just kind of like above all the knuckleheads force for good for all of them. And your brain lets you believe like, oh, <laughs> they all probably kind of love this cranky old fucking lady. So when they kill Genkai in the in the live action show, you know that none of that emotion is there. And also, Yusuke, Yusuke isn't aware of it happening in the same way as it happened um, as he was in the original show. And so it's just like all of it is so all of it is just so it's it just it's devoid of its emotional soul. And I know that sounds weird and it feels weird, but the thing I love about Yu Yu Hakusho is actually the very end of it. And I alluded to this earlier. And that is, at the end of Yu Yu Hakusho, you realize that the song Smile Bomb was really kind of talking about Yusuke. It was talking about someone going through the going through growing up and growing up and becoming a and becoming their own person and by the end of Yu show, the reason you can come back alive is not because he was going to otherwise it's because Keiko told him to come back alive and so the last scene you see in the show is of Keiko waiting for Yusuke and Yusuke getting there finally and this is great thing about Rocky in that Rocky is a love story. Like, but Rocky is a love, only a love story. People watch it and understand the love story happening there. And as much as as much as Togashi writes his shonen manga epics as exactly that, shown in manga epics, they're about relationships, they're about friendships, they're about love and caring. Uh, not always in the romantic sense, although in the case of Yu Hakusho, absolutely, Keiko is like, I love this man. <laughs> but they're also about, like, like in the case of Contract Hunter, Gon, Killua sees Gon as this, like, person never to be betrayed, always to be protected, always to be befriended kind of thing. He is their best friend for life no matter what. No matter if they don't see each other for 20 or 30 years. They are best friends for life. And one of the things that makes the original Yu show hit you so hard especially once you've seen all of it, it's that it's doing all of that to a kid who is told 
you're a piece of trash, kid. You're never going anywhere. And this show does that first part really well, the new live action show. You feel the like shittiness Yusuke has to deal with day to day. I don't think they show, uh, I think, I know they show Iwamoto, the, um, the like assistant vice principal, but I don't think they show the vice principal who's a piece of shit. But they do, they do give you the principal saying over the loudspeaker, like, Yusuke, I know you're here. But they, they miss the opportunity at every point to give you time to like be with these characters and really familiarize yourself with them so you feel, so you, so when they introduce the points that are supposed to be emotional points, which they super do and they super know are there and they're doing it because they know people want to see it, it means nothing. It doesn't mean this... It, it doesn't hold that same meaning as when Genkai dies in the... Um, in, the anim, in the original anime. The two exceptions to that are... when Keiko gets kidnapped... Which ends up not being Hie. It ends up being the um, it ends up being the Tokoro Tugor, brothers, which is a weird choice, but whatever. Um, and when with Kuobara and with the like weird relationship of Kuobara and Yukina and um, Yukina and Hie. Those relationships because they were new in the show. And are new are new in their own way here, feel the way they should feel, and that's like towards the tail end of that is when you start getting like all the shorty comments and like cool bo- and like he just being like he's too good for you, kick him off the boat, and walking off. He's like, excuse me, and like that elicits the right chuckle because you're like, ah, ah, kind of. But what I thought was the weirdest thing is that, like, they... They knew they needed to have certain things in here. But it's almost like they didn't know why. So, perfect example. Um, when Genkai dies... Genkai dies and... Beard up the spirit world. And, like, it... Dies and disappears. And then when Tagoro dies, which Tagoro dies at the end of the dark tournament, they have the thing of like, I wonder why he sent himself to hell. And in in the in the show, there's a moment when Tagoro is like brought in front of Koinma, and Koinma's like, "This is the this is this is the most important thing I have to do today. Let's push over all the paperwork." Ogre, get out. By the way, Ogre not there. I feel very cheated um, by the fact that they didn't have Ogre running around. Um, but Kawinma says to um, to Tagoro, like, you don't have to suffer. If Like, looking at your life, you've done a pretty impressive amount of good, actually. 
if we weigh the scales, like we could get you in a good place. It seems like it seems like we did you dirty on some level. Like let us fix, let us sort this shit out. You didn't have to be a fucking monster. We brought that on you. Like the the there was a demon. So if once again spoilers for original Yu Hawk show in this show and in Yu Hawk show, Tagoro lost his entire. The younger Tagoro brother lost his entire. School, martial arts school, essentially to a demon who he then contracted with to gain the strength to try and prevent it from happening to other people. And then he got stuck in this like loop of acquiring strength basically for no reason. And after, and after they, but so they, they did that, they did that scene, but they, robbed you of seeing Tagoro standing there and like having the conversation with Koenma, that would have been a valuable way to understand that and a way to pay off the fact that like you as a viewer at that point, if you've only ever seen the live action show, know the back Tagoro's backstory of like why he became like that. But no, he's like, send me to hell. And then on his way down to hell, they do... So they turn him scroll, send him to hell. But they do have him walking the path to hell. And then he encounters, just as in the anime, he encounters Genkai. And just as in the anime, while talking to him, Genkai reverts to her younger self for, for a few moments. And in the original show... There's this conversation with Tagoro about Tagoro being with Tagoro about Tagoro's character being this kind of monster built by nostalgia for what was and what was lost and what could have been. And the thing about this is that they almost get there, but they don't give you enough. They don't give you enough. For it not just for it to not feel a little hollow all the time, and so let's go back to as like a as like cap here. Let's go back to what I mentioned before. There are th there are now three ways, except there are now three ways to make a live action anime. There's make one like you're never going to make it, get another chance to make it, or Make one and follow the arcs of the original show. Use those as guideposts to be... This is how I can make this successfully. And this is how I can tell a story. I can tell a story in arcs. And if I don't worry about if I'm getting another season or not, I can tell a story in arcs and hopefully get another season to tell more stories in arcs. To tell the rest of the story. Ghost and Shell did the... Make it like you're never going to make, like you're never going to get a chance to make it again. One Piece did it with just tell the story in arcs. I'm going to argue that Yu Hakusho is kind of the blended option. It's make it like you're never going to tell the story again, but try to tell us, but try to create an arc in the story. I'm actually going to call it the create an arc option. If this show had been done 
in the same format as something like One Piece, I think it would have been really successful. Because you would have been able to spend about an episode. You, you'd have to pull the episodes to longer and give them more time to breathe. But you could spend an episode on Yusuke dying, coming back to life, and the um, treasure retrieval arc. Then you could spend an episode on... You could spend an episode on... The Yukina thing. I think that's actually how you do it in the, how they do it in the show, kind of. And then, I think you send him to Genkai's tournament. And you introduce all those wacky characters. You have the hilarious fight in the dark with the cigarette. You have, like, Kuwabara figuring out a spirit sword against Rando. You have... What you do there is you have Rando as the last villain. And you take a good couple episodes to, like, pad out, pad out the episodes to do the Genkai tournament. That gives you the opportunity for Genkai to be a character, gives you the opportunity to build up a relationship with Yusuke and Kuwabara, and, like, for you to be with those characters. And also, you could have cutaways to, like, Hiei, Kurama, and Kurama, Genbu, um, what's his, um, Goki is fucking dead. Um, <laughs> Goki, actually, that went off pretty much this way it went off with a show. And the thing I will give with the original show, the thing I will give this show credit for is the fight choreography is pretty damn good. But so you do, you do those arcs and you end it with um, Yusuke defeating Rando and, you know, getting the spirit, get, getting the right to learn the spirit wave. Winning, winning the ability to learn the spirit wave. And then next season, you, you cover the dark tournament and that stuff next season and you can introduce you can use the kind of like value of look at the badassness that we made for Tagoro by introducing him and Sachio after you're done with the um as a kind of like I hear like like somebody like Tagoro being like I hear the old woman has a new student or whatever or I hear the hag have a new student or whatever. And you get that... You get that introduction to Tugoro in a way that's... Gives him more... That, that gives him more weighted... Gives him weighted the villain, which they did a good job here. But also, you get the full... You get a much fuller picture that way. And I think you could totally do that with, like... Five hours of television, give or take. Um, and that would avoid the blending problem because I think the, I think the right way is the arc way. If I haven't made that clear, the, that middle choice is the best option. The first choice, you just end up with a clip show. The blended choice, you don't end up with enough time to relate to the characters because you're also concerned 
because you're concerned with trying to relate to the character and being a clip show and those kind of butt heads. Um, but if you want to watch the show just for like what, see what the hell's going on it, definitely go check it out on Netflix. It's available right now. Um, they aren't hiding it like they hid the Cowboy Bebop live action, which if you don't remember or didn't experience that, they hid the shit out of the Cowboy Bebop live action. It's like, I am, I am customer, I am patient zero for that thing. And it was like, no, you have to search it to find it, you asshole. Um, but on that note, if you like this show, new episodes of the podcast come out every Wednesday and Thursday. However, I will be off for um, a little while. Uh, like I said in the beginning, I will be off from the 16th to the... From the, from, ah, from the 27th of December to the 16th of January. And at that point, I will come back and we will resume as usual. But um, I'm off because I'm going to Japan where I'm going to do many things. One of which is hang out with my best friend, Kie. Hi, Kie. I'll see you on the 5th. I'll figure out when. I'm about to go buy tickets for the train. But, on that note, if you like the show, definitely share it with friends. Subscribe in the in your podcast app of choice. And leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. It really helps the show. But until the 16th... But, but un, until... The, yeah, actually until the 16th, because this is the last show... I think this is the last show. Yeah, this is the last show. So until the 16th, I've been Alex, and this has been Watch Radio. And I'll talk to you sooner than you think.